Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here this morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. Love it that you've joined us this morning to worship uh, through song now, through the proclamation of God's word. Uh, So I'm excited to continue our series this morning, What is Love? If you are just joining us for the first time, we've been in a series. uh, Today is our sixth Sunday in a series called What is Love? An Honest Look at Marriage and Relationships. And so uh, last week, we We actually looked at love and sex. Today we are looking at love and money. So we thought we'd do two light topics back to back. Uh, But here's the reality, and all of us know this about money, uh, just a couple things. One is if you don't have money, you got problems, right? Uh, You need money. It's something that's helpful and useful in life. But here's the other reality is if you do have money, you still have problems, right? Thank you, Notorious B.I.G. Mo money, mo problems, right? The late great theologian, look him up later, right? We have problems with money, and here's where those problems live. They don't live in a vacuum, like not around people. They live in relationships, right? That if you look up stats and studies, that it shows that money is the main conflict in marital relationships. It's the things couples fight about the most, that if you look at stats on divorce, that right behind, right in front of infidelity, the reasons for divorce is money, right? And, and so these problems with money, if you have a lot, if you have a little, they, they live in our relationships and we don't do them well. We don't really know how to handle our money. And part of the reason we don't know how to handle our money is because we talk about money just like we talk about sex. We talk about money in every sphere of life except for the church. We talk about it in our culture, and it's preaching to us about about things like sex, about things like money. We we do it outside the church walls without a Bible, and when we get in the church, we act like we don't ever think about money. I don't want to, it's too sensitive to talk about money. And, And what's happening? The divorce rate's never been higher, and a lot of it's because of money. Conflict is everywhere, and a lot of it, the conflict behind the conflict is money. And so we're going to talk about money. So welcome to church, right? And listen, we already took the offering, so take a deep breath, right? We're not going to take a second one. We're going to talk about money. Here's why. Jesus talks about money. And some of you, you may not have been in church in a long time. You may not have actually read your Bible in a long time. And you may think, well, Jesus didn't talk about money. I mean, Jesus loved people, did a lot of miracles. He didn't talk about, about money. I mean, that's like TV preachers and TV evangelists and, and shady people. Like, Jesus would never. But if you actually read the Gospels, Jesus talked about money more than sex, more than heaven, more than hell. Jesus talked about money in the most important sermon he ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what we're going to look at today. So Matthew 6 is where we're going to dive in. If you didn't grab a Bible already, do that now. Pull it up on your phone. Look along with me. We're going to see Jesus' words on money in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7. We're going to be right in the heart of that, Matthew chapter 6. Here's our big idea. If you do take notes, direct your treasure because your treasure directs your heart and your worship. Direct your treasure because your treasure directs your heart and your worship. And so we're just going to break that statement down. We're going to look in the text to see how Jesus teaches us to handle our money in our relationships. So the first thing is direct your treasure. Verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures. 
Now, that word treasure is is money, but it's also possessions. It's anything of value. And Jesus says, do not lay up treasures. And he only gives us two options if you look at it. He, He says, you can lay up earthly treasures or heavenly treasures. Notice there's not a third option where you don't lay up any treasure, right? See, I think for all of us, as we start to talk about money, we need to reset what we mean by by rich, what we mean by possessions, what we mean by money. Because here's the reality for all of us in here, that if you look across the world, if you span across the globe and the riches of people and other nations and across the whole world, that if you look at us in this room, if you have clean water, if you have food, if you have shelter, if you have the ability to, to read, if you have the ability to, to work, then you're rich. Comparatively to the rest of the world, if that's you in here, if you say, hey, I have, I have shelter, I have clean water, I have food, I have a mode of transportation, even if it's public, I have opportunities to work, then you're rich. And, and so the third option of, well, Tim, this is an easy sermon for me. I mean, I don't have vacation homes. Like, I don't have trust funds. I don't have treasure. And so I could just tune out. No, Jesus doesn't give that as an option. He says, you lay up treasure. It's whether, do you lay it up in heaven or do you lay it up on earth? Does it last or does it fade? And so all of us lay up treasures. We have to see these two options that Jesus gives us, heavenly or earthly. Now, Jesus says, hey, there's, there's some treasures on earth that are going to fade. That moth, that rust will, will destroy it, or thieves will come along and steal that. And as you look at that, I think people in Jesus' day probably felt this a little bit more than we do. You see, in their day, treasures were primarily grain, clothing, and gold. So you've got to picture this. Jesus is actually preaching in this moment. And he's saying, hey, don't, don't lay up earthly treasures because Like moths can come along and destroy that. Rust can come along and destroy that. Thieves can come along and take that. And these are people, their treasures they would have thought of in that time as clothing and and gold and grain. And they would have thought like, well, Jesus, that's a good point. I mean, moth could destroy that. I mean, rust could destroy. I mean, thieves could take this away. And they would have felt the the weight of Jesus' point that earthly treasures will not last. Here's my fear for us. We don't feel that, right? You see, for us in 2019 in America, we have the appearance of permanence that they didn't have. They they didn't have climate-controlled storage rooms like we do. They didn't have Simply Safe or Ring like we do. They didn't have the ability to have insurance and know, like, if somebody does steal my stuff, like, I'll just get some new stuff and maybe, like, better stuff because I can finagle the insurance plan. Like, they, they felt, they would have felt the weight of this. And my fear for us is that we have just enough advancements, we have just enough technology to deny or at least delay the decay. And they didn't have that. So my fear for us is that we'll read, hey, yeah, Oh, yeah, things can destroy my, my earthly treasure. But, I mean, that's a long time from now. And, like, I don't really want to think about that now. Like, I'll have my stuff for a long time. I'll pers- like, my stocks, like, over the course, like, I know 12% return over the course of 30 years. Like, I, I can lay up earthly treasures, and they will last. 
and we'll miss Jesus' greater point. And that's this, that eventually it will fade. That eventually you can't take it with you. That's what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 7. It says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. It's what Randy Alcorn, who wrote The Treasure Principle, says. He says this, he who dies with the most toys still dies, and he can't take his toys with him. It's like the saying that you may have heard, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. you got to say it with a Texas accent. Because we all know that. Why do we say that? Because we, we, we kind of, we know it's true. Like intellectually, we know it's true, but that intellect hasn't affected our inclination. And we know like at some point, one day, I won't be able to take this with me. But for now, like I got my security system. We can put it in a climate controlled storage room and we just try to act like maybe it won't fade. Maybe I can just hold on to it a little bit tighter and I can keep it. And scripture is going to tell us and Jesus is going to tell us and life will eventually tell us you can't take it with you. But that doesn't stop us from trying. And so Jesus knows that. And so he's going to challenge them and their context and their culture. He's going to challenge us and our culture with all our technology and all our advancements Hey, don't lay up earthly treasure. It will fade. Lay up heavenly treasure. Now, you might wonder, like I did for most of my life, I grew up in the church. What's heavenly treasure, right? Like, is it like buying stocks in like the streets of gold or the pearly gates? Or is it doing so many good works that you have a bigger mansion than somebody else? What really is heavenly treasure? It seems kind of vague and ambiguous, but scripture actually speaks to this. You see, you see it in a place like Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says this, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, rather than earthly treasure. A good name, integrity, your character, what you do in private, being consistent with what you do in public. This is something that lasts. This is heavenly treasure. Righteousness, Proverbs eleven twenty eight, says this: Whoever trusts in his riches will fail, will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Another thing: using earthly treasures to invest into heavenly treasures. We see that First Timothy six verse eighteen and nineteen. It says this: Be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. See, here, here's the reality. This isn't an anti-money sermon, right? Like, things like integrity and righteousness, those are heavenly treasures, but so is taking our earthly treasures, the resources God has given us, and applying them to eternal purposes, to heavenly treasures, that First Timothy 6, it's saying, hey, be ready to share, be generous. Earlier in First Timothy 6, it says that money, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money itself. Like, money can be a great thing. Some of you know this. Money can be a resource that unleashes the gospel. That, that unleashes care and hospitality for people. And if you go to a, a generous Christian or a generous church, man, they can change their community 
by the way they give. And that earthly treasure, instead of fading, it can become an eternal treasure that never fades. Because it affects souls, it affects relationships, it affects lives. And so we can lay up real, eternal, heavenly treasure in our relationships. Money can change our relationships in a positive way, but you have to direct it. Jesus says it this way, lay it up. You have to be intentional about it. You have to lay it up. It doesn't stumble into investing into eternity. Last week we talked about this. You don't stumble into purity, right? You may think you do, and then you stumble into sexual sin every time, right? It's the same way. You don't stumble into using your earthly treasures for the glory of God and the good of people. You, you have to lay it up. You have to be intentional about it. It's an intentional act. So some of you need to decide as a family, as roommates, hey, hey this month, how are we going to use earthly treasure to invest into our heavenly treasure? How can we spend a little bit less on lattes and Amazon Prime and spend a little bit more investing for kingdom impact in the relationships around us? Some of you, as a married couple, you need to take this intentional act together. And listen, I know it's hard. I know it's a sensitive subject. I know if some of you knew we were talking about money today, you wouldn't have come. Because right now in your marriage, money's the conflict behind every conflict. Money's the thing that you guys don't like to talk about because if we just pretend it's not an issue, maybe it won't be. Because our debt is crippling us. And so if we look at our finances and lay it all out and think about, Tim, how can, we, how can we take some earthly treasure and apply it to our eternal treasure? Like we'll just be depressed and we'll just fight again. And I don't want to fight about money yet again in my marriage. And so I, I know it's a sensitive topic. That's why Jesus brings it up. Because he wants to confront you with your money, with his grace and truth, and help you in your relationships, and help you see how can we lay up heavenly treasures? How can this bring us closer together? Uh, how many of you in here struggle with selfishness? Yeah. And some of you just struggle with lying because you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> I, I struggle with selfishness, right? Can I confess that in church? I struggle with selfishness. And one of the ways, one of the remedies God has for us in our relationships as we struggle with selfishness, as we fight so much and have so much conflict, one of the ways Jesus and God has given us a solution for that, a remedy for that, is selflessness through generosity. Through 1 Timothy 6, through, through being generous, talking about your money, seeing where it actually goes, having a budget, having a plan, and seeing how we're going to take these earthly treasures and apply them to heavenly treasures. And as you are selfless, as you take your eyes, listen, as you take your eyes off your spouse for a second and all the ways that they handle money wrong and all the reasons why you're in this situation to begin with, hey, you had to go and buy that car. Like it had to be a little bit nicer than somebody else's. Hey, you had to go on Amazon Prime, like one word, like we didn't need that like target pickup, like it's way too easy. Like if you were just to take your eyes off blaming, if you were to shift from blaming your spouse for your money problems and say, hey, how can we give? How can we? What if we bought one less latte? What if we didn't click the button on target pickup one more time? And instead, just, just gave it, what if $5? 
Dave Ramsey, who talks about money and the Bible and all these things all the time, he says that giving is an antidote for selfishness. You want to see your your relationships transformed by money in a positive way, not in a negative way? You be selfless. You figure out a way to to lay up heavenly treasure by using your earthly treasure. And you will start to take your eyes off one another, and you'll start to put them on God because you'll have to trust him because making a budget is hard, and, you'll ha- and giving is hard. And you'll have to trust him. You won't be able to blame. You won't have time for that. You'll have to trust God with your money. You'll have to see the glory it provides him, but also the good it brings to others, and you'll stop fighting as much with each other because you'll be looking out to God and other people. And so how do we lay up heavenly treasure? Those are a few ways. We direct our treasure. Second point, we direct our treasure because not just to be efficient, not just to be effective. We direct our treasure, Jesus is going to tell us, because our treasure actually directs our heart. Now, this is one of the things I always got backwards. Uh, It's one of those coffee cup verses you probably, even if you're not a Christian or haven't been in the church for a long time, there's something about treasure and heart, right? We, we say it every Sunday before we receive an offering. And I always got it backwards and I always thought, hey, like your treasure follows your heart. Like where your heart is, there's your treasure going to be also. But if you actually read the text with me, look at it with me, verse 21, it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus saying there? Your treasure goes first, And your heart follows after that. Heart follows treasure. He he goes on to say it, and maybe it's a little bit confusing to you. Verse 22 and 23, look at those verses. He says, your eye is the lamp of the body. He's essentially saying the same thing. He's saying, your eye is a window into your heart. That whatever you gaze upon, whatever you look after, like that curb when you're driving, if you look at the curb, where are you going to hit? The curb. If you look at the line, where are you going to drift towards? The line. The eye is a lamp into the body. It's a window into your heart that if you are gazing only and ever at your career, that's where you're going to go. And your family and your friends are going to be left in the wake of that. If your gaze, if your treasure is only on how your stocks are doing, that's where your heart's going to go. You may be having a fantastic day until you get on your phone and check your app. And then all of a sudden, you, you feel a little insecure. You feel a little down. And maybe even like your spouse or your friends like, hey, are you doing okay? And you're like, I don't know. Are you seeing you were doing okay? Like, yeah, I don't even, because we do so many things on our phone. Like, we're like, I don't even know what, what caused that. I just, I looked at my bank account, and now I feel sad. Because that has your, your gaze. That has your eye. And just like looking at that curb, you're going, your heart is going to go towards it. See, don't get it backwards. What you treasure, it's not just an efficiency thing. Right? It's not just an effectiveness thing. What you treasure, what you put your gaze upon, your heart follows that. Scripture talks about your heart is the core of who you are. It's the center of your being. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. This is really scary. 
you treasure just money and earthly possessions. You, you treasure, treasure the, the latest name brand. That's where your eyes go. That's where your gaze always go. You treasure that, your heart's going to get involved in that. Here's how it works for a lot of us. Um, your heart follows your treasure. So just for example, I know none of you do this, but um, you try to keep up with the Joneses, whoever that is, right, in your life. And you kind of just, not overtly, you're not like, hey, honey, like I want to be like them. But you're just like, you see what they have. You see where they vacation on Instagram. And like something inside you is like, I wish I had a vacation like that and could post on Instagram about it. And you start trying to keep up with the Joneses, and then you start, hey, I got to have the latest and the greatest name brand. Hey, I got to have a better car than that guy. Guy, I have to have the house that competes with the latest episode of Fixer Upper. And, and let's say for a little while, that's going well for you. Like, you got the latest and greatest name brand. You, you got the car, and you got the shutters on the house that, that mirror what Chip and Joanna did. And say for a little while, like, you're kind of rolling along, you're doing well. What happens to your heart? Kind of puffed up. You go to the soccer game with, like, your kids and the parents that went on that vacation. You're like, hey, we just went to San Diego. Actually, what, what did you do this weekend? You got a little bit more confidence, a little bit more security. But what happens when Target picks up that latest name brand? And everybody can wear the jeans you've been wearing. It's no longer some hip fashion statement anymore. You're no longer special with your jeans because everybody has them from Target. Come on. You're no longer significant. What happens when everybody can look on YouTube and make a barn door? It's not just a Chip and Joanna Gaines special anymore. What happens? Well, that's, that's, that's a cute barn door thought we had the only one. Right? And that security, that confidence, what happens? Insecurity. I just feel like I, I, I'm not that special. I don't have much worth. And just, yeah, it's just got to be another thing. What can we find now that will, that will get us that confidence back? Like this next vacation, that, that will, this next name brand, that will, this next renovation will do to our house. And I know, like I've seen the other houses, babe, like in the neighborhood. They don't have that renovation. If we do that one, come on, we can get it back. And your heart follows your treasure. And you drift up and down, over and over, till the day, for some of us, till the day we die. Right? That's how it works. And so Jesus loves you too much. Listen, Jesus loves you and Jesus loves money too much. And for the greater good and for the glory of God, Jesus wants you to use money to lay up heavenly treasures and not to waste time fluctuating in and out with your heart, with the very core of who you are, spending things that you don't need to spend money on and finding hope and security on things that are going to fade like wrath and moth and rust is going to get it at some point. And Jesus loves you so much, he says, I don't want you to lay up earthly treasures that are going to fade. I want you to lay up heavenly treasures. I want you to even use your earthly treasures to lay up heavenly treasures. But you got to direct it. Because as you direct your treasure, 
it begins to direct your heart. And if you're directing your treasure aimlessly and all these things in our culture, it's going to affect your heart negatively. And Jesus does not want that for you. He doesn't want it for your marriage. He doesn't want it to be the conflict behind every conflict. He wants to help you. So he says, hey, direct your treasure. Lay it up. Because your treasure actually directs your heart. Our third point, direct your treasure because your treasure directs your heart and your worship. Verse 24, look at the verse. It says this, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here's what's so interesting about this passage and these couple verses in particular. Jesus talks about money. This whole time, we're talking about money, treasures, possessions, right? Now he talks about worship. Why does he bring those two things together? I don't know about you in your life, and I know for sure in our culture, we don't talk about money and worship together. Do you? Like when you bought that thing on Amazon Prime, like for the fifth thing, like in one day, did you talk about like, hey, I just want to stop for a second, God, and assess, like was that worship unto Amazon or unto you? How does it work? We don't talk about money and worship together. Jesus does. I know for me, even as a pastor and someone who does premarital counseling and officiates weddings, we don't talk about money and worship. That's at least not the starting point, money and worship. Here's the starting point. If you've been through premarital counseling, you, you know this. The starting point is, hey, in the workbook, who's the spender and who's the saver? Right? Who's the spreadsheet geek and who's the spontaneous adventurer? Right? Anybody been through premarital counseling? Read a marriage book that talked about finance? That's where we start. And we begin to dialogue with the couple. Hey, so which one of you is it? Yeah, you kind of like the spreadsheets. Well, that's kind of weird, but um, that's helpful, though. Good. I'm glad you do that. Okay, and then so you're the spontaneous one. Okay, so how can we compromise? And how can we see the strength in what the other person, hey, it's good. I know it's hard for you to believe. I know it's possible for you to believe, but the fact that she knows how to do spreadsheets, the fact that he knows how to do spreadsheets, like, that's a good thing. And I know it's hard for you to believe, but like, hey, sometimes you need to break out and, and money and, and saving is not the end game of all of life. Sometimes memories are. And you need to listen to him, like spontaneous, you need to listen to her. It's good to be spontaneous, like everything is a gift. You need to go make some memories with your kids and not just spend time counting their piggy banks. That's premarital counseling. Honestly, that's probably marriage counseling in regard to money. Here's the question we don't ask. We, we ask, who's the spender, who's the saver? Who's the spontaneous, who's the spreadsheeter? We don't ever ask, who's the worshiper? How, how are we going to, what if the starting point was, hey, which one of you is the worshiper with your money? How are you, now you're becoming one. And that's relational and that's, that's spiritual, that's emotional, but it's also financial. How are you together going to be worshipers. Spender, saver, spreadsheets, that, that'll fall into place. We do need to compromise. There is some merit to that. But what if the starting point was Jesus's starting point? How, how do we worship? Who are we worshiping? You're going to worship someone or something. A lot of us confuse the two. 
because we never talk about the two together, right? A lot of us end up worshiping money. And now you don't have money in an altar like this. I hope you don't. That's another sermon, right? <laughs> You don't go home. I imagine if I go into your house, you don't have a little, like, statue of yourself, you know, making money and just, you know, you're not worshiping money like that, but it's all you ever think about. It's all you ever talk about. It's all you ever plan for. And Jesus talks about money and worship because he knows we get those two confused. It's called idolatry. I see this, uh, not just in myself, not just in adults. I see it in, in kids. This is, we're born into this, right? We all have this disease, right? I saw it when my daughter, she's 10 now, when she was, uh, my oldest daughter, when she was five years old, I bought her a My Little Pony bracelet. At the time, we just had two kids, and I bought her this My Little Pony bracelet, and my son sees that, and he's like, you know, how come I didn't get a My Little Pony bracelet? I'm like, you don't, I don't, you don't want one of those, I don't think. Um, like, go play with something else. Like, you know, like, uh, and, and I remember the whole day, we thought, you know, like parents, you know, we do. We buy one kid something, we don't buy everybody else something, and later we're like, dang it, why, why did I not uh, buy everybody the same thing? And this was one of those days, and so they're all fighting, my two kids are fighting over this My Little Pony bracelet all day. And so finally, it was like 4 p.m., I was done. And I said, hey, give me that My Little Pony bracelet right now. And I didn't wear it, but I put it in my pocket. And I put it in my pocket for the rest of the day. And I remember putting my son to bed, and then I went to put my, my daughter to bed. And my daughter, we were talking, praying together, and she's like, Dad, where, where's the My Little Pony bracelet? And I said, babe, it's in my pocket. What? It's, it's like 9 o'clock at night. What are you going to do with the My Little Pony bracelet? And she leaned over to me. I'll never forget this. Five years ago, she leaned over to me. She whispered. She said, Dad, I want to hide it. I mean, let me just tell you, it was like Smeagol with the ring. I mean, at 9 p.m. at night, I mean, she was just like, I want to hide it. I mean, you could just see, like, her face light up like she had a plan. Listen, even from an early age, we confuse money with worship. Like, if I could just get this, this bracelet, if I could just get this career, if I could just get this bonus, if I could just get this promote, like, if I can just get this latest item that somebody else doesn't have, then it will complete me. Like, I can just hide it and hold on to it. And maybe one day, like, I know it's everybody else's treasures are going to fade. But this one thing, if I just hold it close enough, it won't fade. And that is worship of money. And so Jesus talks about money and he talks about worship because we need to hear it. Because we confuse those two things. You need to direct your treasure because your treasure directs your heart. But it also affects your worship. Now, I would imagine for some of you, this is uh, tough to hear. Amen? Can we just take a deep breath together? (sighs) Feel good, right? Money is a heavy, like we all worship money in some regard right? We all do this in some respect, but here's the beauty of church. Aren't you glad you came today? Here's the beauty of church. Some of you walked in here today worshiping money. Some of you walked in here today as a married couple fighting about money. 
Some of you walked in here today and maybe it wasn't like directly about the 401k or what you bought the kids yesterday or, or those things or that vacation you're planning in a couple of years. Like maybe it wasn't directly about money, but it was the conflict behind the conflict. Right? And a lot of us walked in here today like that. But here's the beauty about church. Here's the beauty of God's word is you now, you just heard the proclamation of God's word. You just heard Jesus talk about directing your treasure. Oh, because your actual, your treasure affects your heart. It's a big deal. And actually, it affects your, your worship unto God. And you could be an adult. You just heard about what Jesus had to say about money. And so the way you walked in here doesn't have to be the way you walk out. That's why you came to church today. Not because you have all this together, but because God brought you here. He placed you here. You're not here by accident. Your marriage, the place it's in in regard to debt and money, the place it's in in regard to conflict with your, your money. Maybe you're not on the brink of divorce, but it is crippling your marriage. You're not here by accident. You walked in one way. The beauty of this moment is you can now respond by the grace of God through the power of the Spirit of God, and you can begin to change the way you see money and the way you surrender your money. Okay? That's our opportunity before us right now. And here's what I would say to you is, you need a budget. You need a plan. Like if you don't do, this, do those things right now, like you, you need to start laying up. You need to be intentional with your money. Like you need to do those things. Budgeting, just, just a side uh, thing, just a, a tip. Budgeting isn't just about allocating funds. You know that, right? It's about aligning your treasure. It's the time you sit down and you align. Like, hey, where is this money going to go? Is it all lattes and Amazon Prime? Is that where our heart wants to go? Is that where we're going to work? Our heart, our treasure affects our heart. Is that budgeting? Yeah, spreadsheet, do the whole thing. It's helpful, but it's honestly, it goes deeper than that. It's about aligning your priorities as a married couple. Some of you have never done that, and that's why you have so much conflict. So listen, you have some homework. Go through your bank account. What does that reveal about what you value? I've said this before, but every once in a while we go through our bank account, it looks like we value the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Right? <laughs> looks like we're worshiping that because that's a lot. <laughs> right? And some of you, you need to go through those practices. You need a budget. You need a plan. You need to join your bank accounts together and quit having the separate one that your spouse doesn't know about. You need to say, hey, just want to put it all on the table. You, you need to do those things. But at the end of the day, beyond all those things, more important than all those things, you need to ask the question, who do I worship? Who do I worship? Do I worship Jesus, the good teacher, who just gives me good advice, even about my money, and I just give him the Heisman? Like, Jesus, I don't really like that advice. Like, I like the other advice about miracles and healing, but money and worshiping you with my money... I don't really like that. Is Jesus the good teacher who just gives you advice? Plan, budget, you need to ask that question. Because if Jesus is just a good teacher who gives you advice, then you can shun him. But if Jesus is God who gave his life, you can't shun that. Right? You can't deny that. If, if you worship, who do you worship? If you worship Jesus who is God, who gave his life, for you, then you would give him everything. Then you would give him, you would trust him with your, your money. 
And in this moment, we have the opportunity to respond that way. We're going to respond in a perfect way today. We're going to respond by taking communion. We're going to dip bread and juice and wine. And we're going to say, and we're going to declare, and we're going to assess, do we really believe Jesus is God who gave his life? Because if he's God who gave his life, then we'll give him ours. And we'll give him not just our worship, we'll give him our wallet because those two are one and the same. And so we have the opportunity to change and, and change the way we walked in here and be different by looking to Jesus. We have the opportunity, no matter where you are this morning, if you were to say, hey, Jesus, you, you bought me. I'm your treasure. You bought me on the, on the cross. And if I've received you, I have the greatest treasure that I have the opportunity to say with Paul, Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation because I see money rightly and therefore I surrender it fully. I see Jesus rightly. He's God who gave his life, so I surrender mine to his. I even surrender my money, right? And some of you can experience the freedom that comes on the other side of that. Some of you came in today in bondage and God wants to give you freedom, but you gotta open your hands. You gotta open your hearts to God. How do you see Jesus? How are you worshiping him? We're gonna assess that. We're gonna respond to that Jesus as we take communion. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I wanna thank you for this topic of money, a difficult topic, but an important one. I wanna thank you for these men and women who are here, who you brought here to hear your words on money. And God, I, I know there's, there's problems with money. There's problems for some people in here who don't have enough of it. There's problems for some people in here who have, who have a lot of it. And, and God, you, you brought them in a certain way today to see them change, to see them be transformed with their money in their relationships. And so God, help us not to miss this moment. Help us not to just put it on the back burner one more time. And then later today or later this week, fighting with our spouse about it, we're like, well, I guess maybe now we should talk about this. God, help us to, to deal with it. You brought us in here for that purpose. Help us, most importantly, to deal with you. God, that we would see you not as a good teacher who's given us advice, but as God who gave his life. And, and therefore, if we're going to worship you and not something else, we got to give you our money. we got to trust you with our, our life because you're, you're good. You gave to us. We, we give back to you. We, we lay our treasures before you and say, God, what do you want us to do with these? We, we don't just believe you died for us. We trust that your death was enough for us. So God, I pray as we respond that you would change us as we dip the bread and the juice or the wine, as we come down, as we participate in communion, it would be an act, it would be a, a declaration, it would be a surrender of everything we have to you. And we would trust you, maybe for the first time, with our money and with our life. Help us to do that in the name of Jesus.